Thursday Night Owls. Welcome to Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Krista. And I'm Rachel. And this episode M is for murder. It sounds so dramatic. I really love it. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe mayhem. And just may in general, which is really why we picked it. Let's be real. That's true. You know, we're really into what is that? Anagrams? No. The onomatopoeia? Nope. I'm out of them. Mm-hmm. It'll come to you. You interrupt me when it's alliterations thank you oh my god i was like wow i feel stupid right now it's like when anyone asks you to recall anything on the spot you know yeah like what do you do for fun nothing is the answer it turns out because i can't think of anything gareth likes to ask me like what to name like random things that he finds in like a video game that he has you get to like name like animals or whatever he's always like what what should i name it and i was like i don't know like my i can't think of any names so i have words don't exist you've asked me a direct question (laughs) I found this. It's a pillow. Let's call it pillow because that's all I have. I'm just like, what is it? A cat? It's cat. Thank you. Cat. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. So jumping right in. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Most of our books involve murder. But this time they specifically had to involve murder. Yes. So usually it's not intentional. Yeah. But also kind of. It was. So the book that I did, I actually got for Christmas, so it has been sitting on my shelf for five months now. And I, yeah, glad I finally that's actually read it. quick. That's actually like a quick turnaround, honestly. That's true. There's a few that have been sitting there for like five years, staring at mm-hmm. me. But mm-hmm. I don't want to read them right now. So, the book that I read is Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutano. I think that's how you say that. Sutano, maybe. Um, so. Uh, this book is set in California. I don't remember exactly where, like Southern California. Um, our main character is Medi, short for Medeline. Oh, like think. Madeline, but not Madeline. Exactly. Yes, because so her parents are Chinese Indonesian immigrants, and I don't remember which one they immigrated over from. But apparently, so the book, it starts in the beginning and she had like has a little blurb the author does before it even starts. That's like, hey, like, um, basically, I don't know how to explain it without just like reading it. But basically, she's like, when the aunties are talking, like English is like their fourth language. So like when you're reading it, like it might sound like they're like unintelligent, but that's not it. It's that they are like, they don't know how to like translate, right? Because they're translating everything from what they're saying into English. So hard. Uh, Mad respect seriously yeah and then a lot of the book also has like these like traditional like Chinese Indonesian things and apparently one thing with like naming your children is taking like a sort of semi-generic or popular white person name and like kind of changing it a little bit so yeah so Madeline but it's Madeline um there's another character Tom is named Tom Cruise and then whatever their actual last name is that I can't remember but like literally named after Tom Cruise. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. It's like Tom Cruise Sapatu or something like that. I I, That's at least how I said it because it rhymes more in my head. I'm not positive that's the name, but either way, Medi is our main character and she is, I think like 25, 26, something like that when the book kicks off. Um, Her family is, so there's her mom. Her mom is the third of three um, kids. So there's big aunt, second aunt, ma and fourth aunt is uh what she calls all of them and so she's living at home with her mom she's graduated college everything like that and she's working for the family business and they do weddings so big aunt is makes the cakes she's the baker second aunt um does like hair and makeup um 
Her mom does the flowers. Fourth aunt is the entertainment. She's like a semi-popular, like not like A-list, like big concerts, like Taylor Swift type anything, but like she's known very well and she is wanted in their kind of like like a local. Yes, exactly. And then Medi does the photography. That's what she went to college for. Um, you get a lot of like flashbacks too to like kind of her like college days. Um, so there's a family curse. And basically this family curse is that all men leave. Any man you love will leave. Like her dad left, all of her uncles left, all the male cousins, they didn't leave, but they like left to college and they stayed, moved away. And so like Medi is feeling like this immense responsibility to like be the good daughter that she's always been raised to be and like stay home like yeah she left for college but she didn't go that far like she applied to all the like um, california schools but she also applied to like stanford or brown or something like that like on a whim just to like see i guess why not yeah maybe stanford's in i think california california yeah okay let's pick another big important school but on the east coast sure (laughs) yale let's call it that she applied to one of those ones more on the east coast just like for fun and she got in Oh, but she didn't tell her mom because her mom would have felt guilty basically asking because her mom wants her to stay like they all want her to stay in California. She's like, well, if I tell her, she'll feel guilty. I'll feel bad. Like may it be just Medi feels guilty in the end. Um, mm-hmm. So she went to like, I think she was to UCLA or something like that. But anyway, she stayed local-ish, but just far enough, you know, to college, um, got to do her own thing, met right. a man, fell in love, all these things. He, uh, they broke up their senior year i'm not going to tell you why uh you have to read it and figure it out on your own part of the journey she still hung up on him he's the one that got away and um so medi is now back home living with mom working the family business um they were recommended to do this huge flipping wedding um with thomas crusoptos family and his wife is or his fiance is jacqueline um, they're gonna get married. It's like this brand new hotel on this island. Um, very important, Fun. very fancy. But at the same time, her mom and aunts, like being kind of your generic parent, is like, when are you gonna get married? Why aren't you dating? Like, what is going on? Right. And so her mom set her up on a date by pretending to be her on a dating app. Oh no. Yep. And Maddie's like, hey, like, can I see these messages? And she's like, no, no, no. Like, he's a total gentleman. Like, it'll be fine. Like, he's fine. Great. You know what I've said, supposedly. That was like, mine. What if he refers to it? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Um, he is the owner of the hotel, which is really honestly almost more of a resort that this wedding is going to be at, which is going to be the following day. Oh, okay. so she does agree to go on a date with him because her mom's already set it up and she's like well and she's also like i can't like the only excuse she can come up with is like hey mom i'm still hung up on this guy from college that oh by the way i never told you about she never told her family about him they were together like really dated i mean they like met like the first week of college they dated for like two or three years or something like that like she never told them no and like in the flashbacks you see why and you understand it like okay like a good reason I wouldn't say it's good reason, but you understand understand the reason. Yeah. Okay. That's the one like in the beginning, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would do this. Like that's such a long time to keep this secret. And then when you find out why you're like, okay, like kind of get it a little bit more. Um, So yeah. And also like, she's like, well, like if this is the owner of the hotel for this wedding we're going to be at tomorrow, she's like, I might as well go. Like, what if that like makes things weird or awkward the next day, whatever. 
so she goes on the date with this guy he tells her how rich he is like 27 trillion times like every other wow. sentence is reminding her that he owns a hotel and he's so rich and like kind of one of those generic like doesn't ask her anything about herself other than like oh you do photography what's that like and she's like Classic. oh yeah like wedding photography and then she's like he's like oh my god bridezilla's meh and you're like oh wow you're trash meh like yeah not yeah. a uh, shining star for her okay exactly i can't even remember his name to be honest because Wasn't it doesn't necessary matter. no um so she has like a drink or two i can't remember she doesn't like it super drunk but she has like a drink or two at dinner i think he does too but like she's getting ready to leave and she's like oh my gosh it's kind of hit me a little bit harder than i thought like and he was like oh i'll drive you home She's like, no, no, I'll just call an Uber. It's fine. I don't, I don't, you don't need to drive me home. And he was like, oh, but like, don't, didn't you say that you need to be, cause you have to take a ferry to this um, island. She, he's like, didn't you say that you have to like be at the ferry dock really early tomorrow morning? Like, how are you going to get your car tomorrow? And I was going to be like, fun fact, you just call another Uber in the morning. Like yeah, there's less of them, but they do early morning Very ones to, to go get your car are available. Um, or like have like your mom drive you. I don't know. Either way. And so he like it's like trying to like make all these excuses to like drive her home. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, don't you like you need to be there too? Like that's really important. Whatever. And he's like, Oh, I have so many cars. I'll just drive a different car and send one of my drivers to pick this one up. And you're like, Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> so he finally convinces her and she's like, Okay, fine, sure, whatever. Yeah, drive me home. It's the sensible thing to do. And so he's like driving her and she's like, okay, it's like the right up ahead. And he misses the right. And she's like, okay, like, we'll just take the next one. Like, whatever. It's okay. You can connect. Misses that one too. And she's like, okay, I'd like out of the car now. Like, nope, I don't like this anymore. I want out of the car. And he just like, gets all creepy and like puts his hand on her thigh. And she's like, stop, like removes, tries to like move his hand. Yeah, absolutely not. Giving out every signal that she is like not on board. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean like everything in your messages like what are you talking about and she's like <gasps> right so it's like oh she really should have read those messages what was mom doing um and so she ends up pulling out her taser and tases him that's the right answer he crashes the car because you know i mean i think you oh, probably i guess would. he was yeah driving yeah it. there was that yeah and so she like wakes up a little bit later They've obviously crashed the car into like a tree or something. I don't remember guardrail exactly. Um, but she looks over and he is like out. And she's like freaking out. And she's going, like, oh gosh, like, what do I do? Um, her phone is dead. I think, oh, that was like the other thing too. I think is why like she agreed to let him drive and not take an Uber because like her phone's basically dead. Um, and so she's like, well, I can't call 911. And so she like God. goes to like kind of she checks like one of his pockets because she's like, oh my gosh, this is gross and creepy. Like if he's dead, uh, I don't want to touch him. Um, yeah. So she like tries one pocket, his phone's not in it. She like makes herself check for a pulse and is like, oh gross, dead. Um, it's freaking out. And she's like, okay, like I don't know what to do. But she's like, I can't stay here. Like nobody's no. gonna believe me, all of these things. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna drive. She's like, I'll maybe I'll drive to the hospital or I'll drive to the police station, whichever. She's like, I'll do it. But she's like, okay, well, I have to move him because he's sitting in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So she goes around and she pulls him out. And she's like, okay, what do I do now? She puts him in the trunk. No, that looks worse. Exactly. Should have driven to the police station. Like, like ah, what a mess. Over into the passenger seat, like push him over. Don't Just pull him out. The police and drive to the police station. Like, it, 
makes sense. I, I was with her. I was with her. And then the uh-huh, trunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, puts her in, puts him in the trunk. Oh God. And then she's driving the police station. And that's when it clicks that like, I now have a dead body in my trunk. In my trunk. Way worse. And so not my trunk in his trunk. No, it's hers. It's her car. Oh, they're in her car. Okay. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's in her trunk. Um, who but bad yeah she did say like she's like well i can't just like leave him on the side of the road like after she had like pulled him out of the driver's side she's like i can't leave him on the side of the road that's bad like yeah that's worse for she sure. was raised better than that it's like what she keeps saying um and so she ends up like driving home uh so she comes home and where she lives with her mom and like parks and her mom comes out she's like oh my gosh like are you drinking and driving like what no that's terrible and she's like uh something happened like there's a body in the trunk i taste him all the like tells her what happens and she's like what so she like goes and looks and she's like okay i'm gonna call your aunties go inside like go inside it'll be dealt with oh boy like calls them and so she like goes inside and her mom starts and she's like okay she's like okay i called them we'll figure it out don't worry about it and her mom starts cutting fruit she's like come on start cutting fruit and she's like mom there is a dead body in my trunk and she's like i called them in the middle of the night and you don't i'm not even going to serve them anything like I raised you better. You know better than this. We must have snacks. Exactly. <laughs> like getting like mango and all these. Oh things. my God. I love it. And it's just all these ones where like you laugh, but then you're like, but like that makes sense, especially like yeah. in like cultures, like other ones where like that would be really rude to like, hey, oh my gosh, come over. Help I just me think generally, things. like if you're going to ask someone to come help you with anything, like moving something, yeah. I need you snacks. offer food. And you woke me up at 3 a.m. Like I need. Then I definitely need snacks. <laughs> so. The aunties come over, she tells them all what happened, and they all basically agree that like this guy is terrible. And they're like, okay, yep, we'll figure it out. We'll help you, we'll do something with the body. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. We'll get rid of it. It's too late now. You can't go to the police. Because they, they're, they're so chill in, about it. 100 percent Calm. No, no issues, no concerns, nothing. Um, like we can't go to the police now. Because like it would be weird now to go to the police, you know. Yeah, it's too late. Exactly. And they all are in agreement. And so big aunt has like a bakery and she's like, oh, I have a big cooler. Like we'll go put him in the cooler. Cause I all have to be up in like three, four hours to go do wedding? the wedding tomorrow. Like we'll put him in the cooler. It'll be fine. Like we'll come back after like, like, I, cause I think after like second aunt does like the hair and makeup, like, they're like, okay, we can come back. Like two people can come back. We'll get rid of it. We'll do whatever. They're going to go bury it in the desert or something. And so they like put them in the cooler everything is great they like write a sign it's like baking supplies man and then the next morning comes in oopsie daisy big aunt's assistant through the cooler the brought, then open it brought it with them to the island you know being so helpful thought you might need these baking supplies so they had not opened it because they put a bunch of stuff on top of him in the cooler like baking supplies actually on top of it so they like come to the island so he's on dead body on the island now oh god and so basically the rest of this is i'm trying to figure out like can we get the body off this island and back onto a boat back to the mainland to get rid of it like what do we do how like we can't get found out like what in the world is going on um there's like a sheriff who's like there but he's all like grumpy because it's like you mainland folk and your permits and whatnot but then they're like oh my gosh this is here and like all kinds of other stuff also goes down like so that's like the main story so there's all these like random like side stories like things are like things get stolen at the wedding like oh my 
people are involved there's like they have to like answer his phone and respond to texts and pretend to be him because like he's supposed to meet up with somebody and they're like well they can't know that this is happening so many things like the last like wow. 40 minutes or 40 pages i mean there's like a huge twist not a huge twist but a pretty big twist that i did not see coming like i mean you texted me when you were like oh my god yeah like, what I, happened? I, i'm i'm very interested in this book i think you're yeah. really selling it it was so good and it was written so well it was written that like a friend is basically just telling you about this crazy weekend that they had where they had to like get rid of a body with their aunts and like what in the world is actually going on exactly and like you're so invested and it just like felt so real too like how the aunts are like talking and interacting with everyone and like Medi like does not speak Chinese like at all and her Indonesian is very poor like she can kind of mostly understand it but cannot speak it like second aunt like she'll try to speak Indonesian second aunt is like oh you're giving me a headache stop it I have feel a migraine like to speak English like this listening to you is torture oh, and God. so like and it's just like all these ones so like sometimes she'll be going and she'll be like wait no hang on I don't I don't think I translated that word right in my head what is, mom what are you all talking about like what is happening it just it felt so real and like a friend. It. like it just it was amazing and there's a second one i don't know if there's murder in the second one are you uh, gonna read it though oh absolutely yeah because okay. i i love the writing style and everything five out of five highly recommend five out of five. Ooh, wow uh, i can't believe i have to follow that up that was great um i'm super interested i was like totally invested mm-hmm, didn't even right? have time yeah. to stress about reading mine okay um <laughs> My story um, is a book I actually got from uh, my stepdad. So it's an older book. I actually don't know what year it was written in. I should have checked it because I know it's an older book. Um, but I read Perfume by Peter Suskind. And I'm pretty sure it's translated from German. That's fun. I, yeah. And it's set in Paris in like the 1700s. Um, I know Brian is going to listen to this episode. So I'm going to try very hard. One. <laughs> you're basically not going to get anyone's names from me because they're all French and things I can't pronounce. Okay. I did end up listening to it on audio instead of reading the book, um, partially because I was worried I was going to ruin his copy of it because he gave me his copy, but he has like something written in it from the friend who gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like very concerned. I was just like, I just don't want to accidentally like ruin it because it's paperback too. Yeah. So like, it's fairly delicate. So I did switch to audio. Um, it helped with the names a lot too. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Somebody, if somebody so else can helpful. always say it. <laughs> I was like, that's okay. Um, so this book, uh, I described it to my fiance as beautiful and profoundly fucked up. Oh, I love <laughs> so that. I feel like it's very accurate. Um, most of the action I feel like for this particular book happens in the last like quarter of it. So I'm going to give you a lot of information, but really not giving away anything necessarily. Uh, I'll do my best not to give it away, but also it's a very old book. So a lot of people have heard of it. Like I know people have read this book. So. This book is about um, essentially this guy who has an impressively powerful nose and is a murderer. <laughs> it's not a surprise at all that he's a murderer. He murders someone fairly early on. Um, so John Baptiste is going to be the name I'm going to use. That's not the name they always refer to him as, but it's the one I can pronounce. Perfect. Uh, so we're going with John Baptiste. <laughs> uh, so the main character, it literally goes from like his birth story all the way to like who he is at like 25. So it's wow. basically just his story. He's definitely the focal character. Like there's no like dicking around that. Um, but basically in the 1700s, this book does a really good job of like olfactory descriptions it's very like it's called perfume of course it does like he's got the super sniffer so and he's got the super sniffer exactly so like they talk about um 
like it kind of at the beginning leading up to like him being born they kind of set the scene where the story talks about that in the 1700s because this is about mid it's like 1730 i think he's born in like 1735 ish and then it goes to like the 1760 something maybe um but in that time their perfume was pretty popular in france because everything smells like shit literally like they don't have sewer systems like we have right now like literally there's just poop everywhere it's awful and humans in particular smell really bad which is not surprising to me at all um so he's born with a mother who's had multiple other children she's not married though and her another none of her other um births survived so uh she basically isn't expecting him to survive either she just kind of wants it to be over with when she realizes she's going to give birth because she's young she's still pretty other than the fact that she's given birth like quite a few times so she's just kind of hoping to like marry someone and have legitimate children but she's currently poor and doesn't have that option so she's his mother is at work and she just like gives birth under the table and then walks away assuming he's just going to die. She's like cutting fish guts. It's like very, like literally right from the beginning, like it's very visual. Like I can basically smell it. It's pretty intense. Um, it was really good though. Like, I feel like that was like the biggest part of this book that I really enjoyed, but she like gives birth under the freaking like place where she's cutting fish guts under the table, walks away. And then the baby cries. And so people see the baby, they realize that the mother has just abandoned this baby and that she has killed her other pregnancies well they didn't really survive but they kind of assumed um that she's done this before essentially and they ended um, up hanging the mom like oh, basically in town square yeah, if, this one, if this one survived and she walked away then maybe she didn't they, yeah then, oh, they didn't really explain sad. exactly like how other people knew that she'd done it before but like you as a reader know that she's done it before where like yeah. the babies just died and she admitted that she would just let this one die so it yeah. sounds like she was just like oh i just didn't think he'd live also like, like 1700s i don't think it takes that much to like kill a woman so yeah exactly like that was the worst offense but i mean i get it like she did t- try to kill her kid and she admitted mm-hmm. she would have just continued to do so yeah. so um wow what a birth story he has so at this point there <laughs> right like literally this is where it starts it's kind of crazy but you get his whole life story so i'm going to give you as much of it as i can without giving away like basically all the action yeah. um so his life starts off pretty rough. He's motherless and not baptized. Um, no one knows who his father is. Uh, I guess there's not a lot of options for children at this time, basically, like, you know, orphanages and then sometimes nursemaids can take you in. But uh, usually if you're not baptized, you end up just like being discarded, essentially. Could you because... just go get baptized and then be undiscarded? I, they, they described it, but essentially this guard who had him was supposed to sent him one way, but he was feeling kind one day and sent him to the church instead to get baptized. Mm. Like, because he didn't have parents at all. So there was no one to have baptized him beforehand. So we had oh. no guarding, like it was a whole thing. Um, I don't really quite understand. I'm not like a churchy person that I'm sure there's rules there that I just don't know. Um, but basically the whole thing was that like the guard decided to let him get baptized instead of sending him to like just the orphanage or whatever. Uh, so he goes and gets baptized. The church basically pays people to, uh, feed infants like nursemaids. Um, so like you get like five francs, uh, cause it's in Paris, you get like five francs a week or whatever to, for each baby that you nurse. Yeah, it's like a wet this, nurse. this little baby apparently was so greedy that none of the wet nurses wanted him because he drank all of their milk. So they could only feed him, which makes sense if your money is doing that and you can only feed that one. Cause it's, he yes. consumes too much. Like yeah. 
of course it's going to impact your livelihood and like most of them have their own children like there's a lot of factors here and then so um he gets kind of passed around for a little while but one of the nursemaids ends up bringing him back to the church where he was baptized and was like i don't want him in my house and the priest is like what are you we talking about like okay it's just you just want more money for this one baby okay fine like how much money would it take for you to keep this baby essentially he just thinks it's like a money issue and she's just like no he smells wrong and she's like he's like what are you talking about and she's like, he smells wrong. Like babies have a baby smell. And so the priest being a man, he's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like babies have a baby smell. They're just babies. Yeah, and okay, so the priest is like, babies must just not have a smell because I don't smell anything. And she's like, that's the point. Babies have a smell. Oh, <laughs> so like, she's trying to like any smell. He has no smell. And wow. so she's like, he must be like a demon or possessed or something. She's like, something. he doesn't smell like human it's children changeling. smell. And so the priest is like, so you want to give him to me because he doesn't smell right. She's like, yep, absolutely. <laughs> like get this thing out of my house. So not a great start for this little baby. Yeah. Um, the priest basically is just like, okay, whatever. She's crazy. But he did think it was a little odd. And then there was a point when he was alone with the baby, when he kind of got unsettled by it. So they like describe that the baby like sniffs the air really vigorously. Like he's already basically like coming into that sense, like the fact that like he uses his nose for everything. Um, I don't remember exactly where the priest ended up sending him or whatever. It doesn't really matter. There was a lot of description in this, like literally, I'm not even kidding that all the action happens in the last like quarter of the book. Not a bad thing. It's just that I feel like there's just so much lead up that at a certain point I was like, oh my God, stop describing things to me. Like, (laughs) so you do get to that point a little bit. I think they could have um, interspersed a little bit more of the, the action, but I think it was all necessary to get to the end and like the way that the story developed was really good. Anyways, because this little baby has the ability to smell stuff like a pro, his world is basically built that way because he doesn't have like a steady home family. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't remember exactly where he goes, but uh, he like even uses smells to like learn words. And so like, that's how he starts associating life. Like he talks about how he, as a child, essentially goes around smelling anything and everything. And he collects, like, he collects them. Like, he wants to possess them and to own them. And I think part of it is he doesn't have his own scent. <laughs> like, he doesn't have his own smell. And, like, anything, like, good, bad, terrible, he wants to categorize it. And he basically has this intense mental archive that, like, throughout the book, he will reach into. Like, he'll refer to, like, the castle that has thousands of rooms. And each room is filled with the millions of scents that he's collected and he'll like reorganize them because he's smelled something new. And so he wants to recategorize all the scents. So he just like dives into himself and has this like invisible servants with invisible trays, full of books of scents. Like it's very intricate. Like it's yeah, absolutely amazing. Wow. I can't imagine that like someone's brain working like that, but I don't have an inner dialogue either. So mm. <laughs> like not everybody, you know, everyone's brains work a little differently. Yeah. I, like, I do have one, but yeah, really? Yeah, no, I do not. Um, so yeah, he's a very unique human being. Um, one day though, he's, so, you know, he's smelling things, he's cataloging smells. I think he's probably around 17, 18 at this point. Um, one day he smells a smell that he was like, wow, this is the most amazing smell I've ever smelled in my life. And like, I have to know what it is. And he sees this girl who's like peeling a plum in a courtyard with like this beautiful red hair. And he's like, it's her, like, it's coming from her. And I don't understand, like humans have this specific smell. She's, probably in her like early teens, mid teens, I think. So I'm 
pretty sure when I looked at the back, it does say that he's like into virgins. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what they're alluding to here. Is it like, she's a virgin? Cause like the way he talks about it is like, it's such a pure smell. Like it's such a, like a robust and like thorough and like everyone's going to fall in love with her. So it's basically like idolizing virginity, which, you know, makes sense. Um, you know, that's very French. <laughs> Actually, no, not really. Cause I feel like the French are very loosey goosey. Sometimes it probably depends on the person. I don't know. It just feels like romanticized, which I think is French. Um, but basically he needs, he like smells this thing and he needs to have it, possess it, like hold it, touch it, whatever. So he kills her. He's like a killer. And like, they, you know, describe him like smelling her and touching her all over to memorize that smell and have all of it. And then, you know, now it's just a smell belt. Yeah. Cause you but know, lo- logical thinks, next step. No one else can smell her. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it. Like he just, he wants to own it. Like he wants that smell for himself. Um, So he thinks that like, this is it. This is the best smell in the world. It's so complex and like intricate and gorgeous. Like I want to be a perfumist. I want to create new smells. And he spends a whole bunch of time reorganizing his mental catalog of smells into like groups. So with like specific like groupings where he was like, oh, these two smells would go with these two smells to make this. Like it's very, it's very intricate. And like when you're listening to it, it's easy to follow, but it's hard to like regurgitate because I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't know all the names of all the smells and stuff, but yeah. he essentially decides he wants to be a perfumist. So at the time, I think he's working as like a tanning assistant for like a leather guy. And he goes into a perfumery to drop off some um, skins. It's like a, in Paris, there's quite a few at the time. I think they talk about there being like three primary ones, but there are a lot of perfumeries. Um, This one in particular that he walks into, I want to say it's like Baldini's. Um, I'm probably wrong. I know it starts with the B, but he goes into this perfumery and he's like, I will not take no for an answer. I want to work here. And the old guy had already decided that he was going to retire because he was basically not performing as well as the competitors. He's older. They've, he's says that he's never been like as good at making perfume. Like he has a few like staple lines, but they're ones that like his father had made that they were passed down to him or, but, and he has a couple of like uh, loyal clients. They're like, rich people essentially and um basically he's just like not doing that well he can't like replicate the newest famous perfume they're doing it too often he can't keep up so jean baptiste shows him i will replicate that popular perfume right now with no formula nothing i'm just gonna mix stuff together and he was like that's ridiculous and insane and like this perfumist is like disgusted and shocked because (laughs) it's so crude and he doesn't even know how to do a formula but it's perfect and beautiful and he improves upon like the existing one and so basically the perfumist decides yep i'll hire you and so but he does it like real subtly because you know ego um he was just like yeah okay i guess you're adequate but i could teach you so much you know because (laughs) you're not licensed and like if i allow you to become licensed like we'll deal with that together and you'll only do it under me Mm -hmm. like so he basically like buys out his contract for working for the tanner um guy that he was currently working for and hires john baptiste to basically like outperform everyone else in the beauty or the perfume industry, but they don't just do perfume. They do literally anything that you can add sense to. They do like, they do like hair silks, like, like ribbons, like silk mm-hmm. ribbons, um, like toilet, little droppies, like just literally anything, uh, potpourri's scented whatever's, um, because you know, everything right now smells like poop. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything everyone loves not be poop. Yeah. So it kicks off this craze. Um, Jean Baptiste though, wants to still wants to make his own, 
own things because like that's who he is. Like he's not really satisfied just making whatever the perfumist wants him to make. So he tries to extract smells from things that you don't normally you're not normally able to like extract smells from necessarily like rocks. And he wants to like make these untangible things that are hard to capture the smell of tangibly, like a smell that he can use. Cause he wants to make his own specific perfume, you know, cause he doesn't have a smell. Um, and he is not successful. He's not able to extract the oils like he wants. And he like, basically his ego takes such a hard hit that he like goes into like a full on, like makes himself sick. Everyone thinks he's going to die. Like starts growing these like boils on his body. Like the perfumist comes in one day thinking he's going to die, thinking John Baptiste is going to die. And he's like, please just like give me wisdom, whatever you've got, like, however you make this magic happen, tell me what you want so that I can, you know, spread your work after you're gone he comes in and the guy says john baptiste says absolutely nothing and then after a little while he was like are there other ways to extract smells from stuff and the perfumist is like yeah there's other ways to extract smells from stuff why and so he's just like tell me and then he's basically just like okay so he starts to get better (laughs) so he just like made himself super sick because he couldn't accomplish the thing like it killed me i thought it was freaking funny like he did on like his deathbed is finally when he asked for help like not like before literally like, that's the moment yeah like hey i'm struggling i can't figure <laughs> this out you've been doing this forever it's in your family do you know how else to do this no i'm gonna wither away to nothing how do i do that yeah. oh perfect i'm better i'm on the mend yeah i'm like did it just not occur to you <laughs> till now or were you not able to ask i really don't know but it was pretty funny um essentially after that happened the perfumist and john baptiste kind of parted ways like other stuff happens in there um i'm just trying not to give you too much information because you gotta see it uh but they end up parting ways but the perfumist basically says like here's the deal i'll pay you and you'll leave and you'll never come back to paris and you'll never make any of the sense that you made for me i feel like that's fair even though he basically took all his work and made it his own but that's what happens he helped him get his like journeyman papers so he's basically now legit and he Mm, can mm -hmm. travel which is really what he wanted he wanted the freedom to travel and no one would ask questions oh well then yeah because he's you know he wants to collect all the smells Mm -hmm. um although at this point he kind of thinks you know i've spent a long time in the city i'm kind of over it like i'm kind of over people like so he just kind of walks and continues to go he encounters like some stuff but he essentially lives in a cave for the next seven years just living with the smells he's already collected. And he's like, this is it. This is my life until one day while he's like getting drunk in his mind castle on the smell of that girl he murdered realizes he still doesn't have his own smell, even though he's been away from people forever. And this cave he's lived in for so long, it should smell like him. Right. He figured that like, maybe that was why he couldn't smell himself because it's hard to smell yourself. He's like, I still don't have a smell. And so it drove him nuts. So he like literally decides to go back to the cities and make up some story about how he was held hostage in there for seven years. <laughs> he looks like complete trash because he had all those boils and stuff. Right. Uh-huh. And like, he's got a hunchback now and he's got like a weird <laughs> foot now. So he like limps, like he's a very ugly dude. Um, he like goes into the city and like the scientist has this theory that like, the earth makes people sick and that's why flowers and things grow towards the sun and away from earth. But, you know, over time you sink back down because you're getting sick because of the gravity or something that it's the 1700s. They don't know anything. I couldn't remember exactly the fake science this man came up with, (laughs) but basically he thought the earth made you sick. And he thought this guy was proof. He's like, look, look how terrible he looks. Mm -hmm. He says he's only 25, but he looks like he's at least in his forties. I can fix him with like all these weird scientific concoctions made of things that are like only tea that was grown in the andes like 
some <laughs> weird logic here. So a lot goes on for John Baptiste, but really his ultimate goal is still that he wants to be able to make a perfume that is just his own. Um, so this is kind of where the interesting stuff starts to happen. And I got pretty into it. Um, he basically makes a perfume that has like the smells of humans so that he can mimic people. So he starts to like experiment with smells to make him smell like a person. And then he will make specific smells to like make people feel specific ways about him when he's in certain situations. So like, if he wants to hide, he won't wear anything. If he wants to like appear like, um, I can't even remember the situations, honestly, there was, it's been a while. Well, not a while, but like it was farther back in the book. I'm very excited about the next part. <laughs> um, but basically like depending on how he wants people to perceive him, he changes the perfume he uses yeah, like and he it wants works. you to like fall in love with him. He can yeah. make like a sensual or. And know, that's his ultimate goal is to get that, like to have that happen, to make something where people fall in love with him. Um, he smells another girl that smells like that first girl. Ooh. And so he's decided he wants to possess her as well, but he wants to wait a couple of years for her to blossom. So I don't know if that means that she's like not quite a woman yet, or he's like waiting she, for her to menstruate. So she can smell better. I'm not sure, but basically um his adventures really kick off at this point like he's been through a lot he's seen a lot of things but things start to get real weird and he starts on a journey to find a way to capture that smell and keep it even after he possesses it and i'm sure he means kill her oh because that's what he did last time so that's all i'm going to tell you because this is where Ooh. things start to get crazy i was excited to know what happened next day i know right that's why i have to stop um, five out of five. I really enjoyed this book. Uh, the biggest struggle for me was just like that. Sometimes I was like, okay, just tell me what happens next though. I want to know what happens next. Stop describing stuff. Like yeah. that was the struggle. And then the names because, you know, not, not a French speaker. Fair. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, if that's it, that's the worst that you have is that like, yeah. you can't read it. I mean, that's... the end was pretty shocking. Like I said, I told you guys at the beginning, it's pretty like pretty fucked up. Yeah. But so the end, I was like kind of horrified. And also I'll probably just tell you Krista right after this. Yeah. So. Good. I mean, I'm probably still actually going to listen to it. Cause like, this sounds fascinating, but well, if you are, I won't tell you, but if you're not, I won't tell you. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll think about it. Think Maybe about tell it. me tomorrow. Let me report back. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hope you all liked our murder episode. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what comes next, but it'll be exciting and it'll be great. So come back, check that out. In the meantime, yeah. You can check out all of our socials. Instagram is not past your bedtime. Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. Tiki talk is not past your bedtime. So check out our website, isn't past your bedtime.com to see what's coming up next and what's in the archive. Well, that's all we got. Hope you all have a that's great it. day. Bye, everyone. Bye.